WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 33, all about, I don't know. Hello, and welcome to episode 33, all about the passage of the marshes. Chapter two, book four of The Two Towers, being the 33rd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me and see. And today I'm joined once again by Ryan of the Sword of Star Wars podcast and also Granny Shifton. And also, I can't yeah. remember the name of what was your, what was it Dad Reads Books podcast? Books. You got it. Yep. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> and that one, well, thank you like, for congratulations. Me that one's been doing really well recently. You, you shared in our Discord. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was like totally random like i just checked it one day because my kids as far as i knew were the only ones that listened to it and then i checked it the one day i was like holy cow people are listening to this thing so then i had to you know add to it some more so yeah that's awesome that's great congratulations (laughs) on all your success (laughs) um so yes we are here for chapter two book four passage of the marshes uh as it was hinted at to me at the end of recording for the previous chapter it's a marsh full of dead people and i was like i'm sure it's an exaggeration (laughs) but like i was just listening to that today and i was like oh she gave it away it's so good oh it made me really excited for it really excited okay that's good that's good (laughs) yeah (sighs) what's not what's more exciting than a marsh full of dead people right i know right also like when you're with (laughs) when you're with this trio anything full of dead people is exciting you know like <laughs> yeah yeah a, a, a desert full of dead people a volcano full of dead people i'll take anything <laughs> and anything to spice up the story <laughs> yeah um oh also speaking of spicing up the story i went and listened to the audiobook for or part of the audiobook i should say for this chapter because I've kind of fa- I've fallen off the train. I used to be pretty good about listening to the audiobook for each chapter as well, but I just kind of fell off that train mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'll listen to it and hear what the Smeagol voice is like. And God, uh, I yeah. hate it. <laughs> like, it's good. <laughs> it's very well done. But I'm like, this isn't my wonderful, relaxing Phil Dragish audiobook anymore. This is just right, right. Nightmarish. I haven't heard his version, but if it's anything like the version from the movies, which I know you haven't you haven't heard at all, right? I don't think so. Cause he wouldn't does Smeagol appear in the first movie? I don't think he did. Even if he did, um, I have he, zero memory. No, he didn't talk. He didn't talk in the first movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, not that I can remember anyways, but your impression last episode <laughs> was not that far off. So, you did a pretty good job without ever hearing his voice. You did yeah, job, all you got to so. do is kind of like, uh, I don't know, what's on? maybe I'll do a voice. <laughs> well, you can just do it when he sings his song. You can just do oh, the Lord. whole thing then. Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> there are two I'll, I'll things beatbox while you do there it. are two <laughs> things i'm not gonna ever do on this podcast one of them is sing the songs and the other one is do the smeagol voice and i'm definitely not gonna and sing the, a song in a smeagol voice <laughs> oh man you're lucky if you even read the songs let alone sing them in a smeagol voice this is this is true <laughs> Whenever it goes to song mode, I'm like, okay, this I'll just skip over. Skim this, yeah. Here for reals. 
<laughs> too accurate. Too true. Too true. So jumping right in to this chapter, it starts right off with another thanks. I hate it. Because the first sentence says, Gollum moved quickly with his head and neck thrust, thrust forward, often using his hands as well as his feet. And what did I write down? I think I, oh yeah, I just wrote that immediately. Gross again. Just <laughs> yeah, hate it. Hate it, hate it. And the plan for right now, Gollum remembers that they, uh, that when he was running from the orcs at some point, I'm assuming it happened in The Hobbit, and I'll read about that later, or maybe. No, I never even read The Hobbit, so I don't know what happened in The Hobbit. I was kind of just like strictly to these three books. And then after I read these and people were talking about The Hobbit, I was like, eh. I like Frodo. I don't know if I like Bilbo because Bilbo didn't really like appeal to me in these books. So why would I want to read a whole story about him? So that was my mindset as a f- 15 year old and it never changed. So <laughs> yeah, I totally I totally get you having that feeling from or not really having a feeling about Bilbo as a 15 year old. But as a 24 year old reading it, I'm like, Bilbo's the greatest. <laughs> he insults yeah. everyone at his birthday party and then dips <laughs> out. Yes, and then doesn't yes, appear yes. again, like mysteriously shows up in Rivendell and is like, I'm gonna write a book about your life, Frodo. And then we right, never yeah. see him again, except for we'll probably see him at the end of Return of the King. So Yep. (laughs) I won't say anything about that. But Uh, but I love... Oh, man. Anyway, so Gollum is uh, taking them to Mordor, like we said in the previous chapter, and he remembers that there was a goalie that he hid in when the orcs were chasing him, and it was small enough for him to fit in, and and the orcs either didn't notice or couldn't go in after him. It says, it was not difficult, for the rift was at this point only some... Oh, it says, the hobbits climbed down into the gloom. It was not difficult, for the rift was at this point only some 15 feet deep and about a dozen across. There was running water at the bottom. In fact, the bed of one of the many small rivers that trickled down from the hills to feed the stagnant pools and mires beyond. And it was at this point that I was like, I don't think I know what a gully is. (laughs) There are... I was like, is is it? Because I was imagining... I thought it was like... Uh, I thought what they were describing was some kind of like crack or passage between two mountains that they were going to walk through. But then they start talking about like they're climbing down into it and it's 15 feet deep. And at the bottom, there's a river. And I'm like, okay, obviously, this is not what I'm imagining. So I'm going to Google on my. Yeah, I I feel like and you guys talked about this some the last episode, but I feel like for how descriptive Tolkien can be. I can still have no idea what he's talking about. Oh, it's <laughs> oh my gosh! Too there's some passage, accurate. There's some <laughs> paragraphs through this where I'm like, "What did I even just read?" Like, I don't even have a clue what's going on. Um, but I think oh, a gully. And he he also like does a, it later like too. With he uses the words. Where did I, I swear I wrote it down? Oh, he uses the the words fins and Myers, F E N S, yeah. and Myers, and I'm like, what's a fin? What's a Meyer? Use <laughs> I don't know <laughs> like modern English language, please. 
Um, okay, so a gully is a landform created by running water, eroding sharply into soil, typically on a hillside. Okay. Resemble large ditches or small valleys. Okay, so it's just like a valley, I think is what it is. Literally yeah. anyone listening yeah. to this who goes on hikes all the time is like, oh my God, please go out into the world okay. and... Walk outside. Stop reading and go into nature. There's a great... I've been waiting for a good time to use it, and maybe this will be it. There's a quote from an episode of That 70s Show where Eric gets up and strolls into the kitchen, and it's like noon or something, and he's like... See, as I see it, why get out of bed when you can read about people who got out of bed? Right, exactly. That's a mood. (laughs) Um, I'm still researching mm. gullies. <laughs> okay, and then now I want to look up fin, F-E-N, fin. Okay, a low and marshy or frequently flooded area of land. Okay, appropriate for the chapter called The Passage of the Marshes. A mire is, I know this is riveting content, a stretch of swampy <laughs> or boggy ground. Okay, I feel like... So the same thing. Yeah, just two different... I know that he didn't have like Microsoft Word right click thesaurus, but sometimes it really feels (laughs) like it. I think he had a live person that was just a thesaurus and he's just like, what's another word for marsh? Fen. We'll say fen. Okay, I'll write it down. What's another word for it? Just like a guy guy that just sat beside him all the time giving him other words. Exactly. Uh, Tolkien. Um, you, you could even make up a word and no one would know. Honestly, though. Honestly. Well, it's like how I thought, not to harp on this again, but it's like how I thought flotsam and jetsam were made up words. So, <laughs> right. I mean, honestly. But that's like in, he, what is it? Which one of the Marvel movies where Thor says all words are made up? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. All words yeah. are made up. Yeah. Oh, speaking of words, I shared this to the Facebook group. uh Gloin is how it's said. (laughs) You jumped there before I even, you beat me to it. Nice. I guess this is now officially something I have to do with every new, with, well, you're not a new guest, but this debate has, has cropped up after your first couple episodes but like this is officially what yeah. i have to do yeah, now <laughs> is it like before we even start the episode before like we even start the chapter hi my name is mary clay if that's a complicated for you just call me mc how do you pronounce the name of gimli's father <laughs> right <laughs> if that's too complicated for you just call me glowing <laughs> uh it's just funny when i think about it in terms of like glowing in the dark and then I just imagine them mm. like at a rave or something. <laughs> just at like a door. Well, they, oh, I think Moria would be a great place to throw a rave. Are you kidding me? The <laughs> yes, acoustics. <laughs> it's dark in there. You can have all the yes. lights you want, all the glow sticks. Oh, perfect. Get some of those like bioluminescent like worms that like glow on the walls and you just like throw them together and make a glow stick out of them. <laughs> You could do yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. You could definitely do it. Um, what was I? Oh, no. I was going to say, so they just, how we were talking about words. Isn't it crazy? Language is made up. I think this year, actually, there's going to be a words and language museum opening in D.C. 
And I shared really? it to our Facebook group and I was like, Tolkien would have lost his mind. He would have been in there. They'd <laughs> yes. be like, um, sir, you have to leave. And he'd be like, no, I need to write all this down. The etymology of this word is wrong. <laughs> Uh, where were they? Oh, yeah, we were talking. Sorry, I was like, how did we get there? I was like, oh, we were talking about the word gully, which like, man, just yeah, isn't that crazy that like a single word can lead you off into a like whole trail of conversations. Language, man. It's yep, fun. Yep. Um, so <laughs> crazy. Gollum, how we talk, mentioned before, as they're walking through the gully, he is singing and, well, I wouldn't call it singing. So uh, Tolkien describes it as croaking in a sort of song. And that's exactly how I would describe right. it if you listen to the audiobook. And okay, <laughs> it's gross and I hate it. I mean, but like... <laughs> so how I picture this scene, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Enchanted. Have you seen the movie Enchanted? Yes, I have. <laughs> okay. So there's I have a, a part feeling I know where, where you're going with this and I'm here where, for it. <laughs> where the prince comes in and Patrick Dem and he starts singing and Patrick Dempsey's like... He knows the song too? I just a picture like Sam is like Gollum comes in and starts singing and Sam's like oh man he sings, sings too. too everybody sings in this book like what's going on with this so that's I, just like what meant, went to my mind immediately I thought you were gonna say you were imagining Gollum as Giselle just like running through this gully like <laughs> Or that. <laughs> Except for it. Patrick Dempsey's like, how does everyone know this song? <laughs> it's like, you know this song too? <laughs> uh, Patrick Dempsey. So the song is about cold, hard lane. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, so I can't tell, obviously, because I haven't read The Hobbit yet. But I think because he sings part of the song and then he says, haha, what do what does we wish? We'll tell you, he croaked. He guessed it long ago. Baggins guessed it. And then he continues on singing. So I was like, oh, is this the like clue or riddle that he or one of them that he gave to Bilbo? And I was trying to solve it. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't even know if this is a riddle or uh, something to solve. I'm trying to remember. I know I read the riddle from The Hobbit. I don't think this has anything to do with that. So... Because I think he just stopped because he's saying, and now we wish, and the song would go on, but he's like, oh, wait, what does we wish? And then he's remembering that he wishes for the ring and that. Oh, oh, okay. Actually, don't I see. quote, don't quote me on that. No, but that I makes think, sense. I don't think this song has anything to do with the riddle, but. That yeah. makes sense. But it's hard because it read the second part, especially really reads like a riddle alive without breath as cold right. as death, as cold as death, never thirsting, ever drinking, clad in mail, never clinking. And it goes on like that. I might just have and it's one of those things where it's almost like a intangible thing where it'll be like, like there's a riddle. It's like, what is broken once you say, the, like when you say the word, it is broken. And the answer is silence. Because just by saying the word silence, you are breaking mm. silence. And so, you know, something, something like that. So I was right. just sitting there like, what is this? And then I was like, <laughs> you know what? I will find out in... I don't know. Nine months. <laughs> I got the ri I got the riddles here. Don't um yeah, I was gonna say don't read them aloud, but you can check and see. No, 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 I'm not going to. Okay, great. But I'll yes, I was I was filter. wrong. These are a clue. So Ooh, that's as much as I'll say. A clue, perhaps, mayhaps. 
Hey there, it's your girl, Future Mary Clay, here to tell you that I had to cut the next about, I don't know, five minutes worth of content because the episode would have run long, but um, we talked a lot about children's television shows. Ryan is a father. I'm not a father, but I do babysit a lot. I like to clarify that. That's how I know a lot about children's television shows. I babysit a lot. And we're here to tell you that if there's a show you should get your child addicted to, it's Daniel Tiger. It's a modern version redoing of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. It's very wholesome, very good content. And of course you already know this will be available on the 11z's tier of Patreon if you want our reviews of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Blaze and the Monster Machine, etc. And then somehow we got on the topic of Olive Garden because then I said this as the transition to get us back to the book conversation. Well, speaking of Olive Garden, Sam is also thinking about food and it's very annoying. Yes. And uh, these words only made more pressing to Sam's mind a problem that had been troubling him from the moment when he understood that his master was going to adopt Gollum as a guide. And I was like, oh, this is going to go into his Mm. worries about like, Frodo giving temptation into the ring or maybe even giving his trust more to Gollum than to Sam. It's going to go into this. Nope. It says the problem of food. And I'm like, I mean, he is a hobbit, but I'm like, this isn't a priority. He doesn't doesn't like to share his Lambus bread. Well, he doesn't need to, which we find out. So they well, yeah. So they, um, yeah, Sam is just annoying. Oh, also I highlighted that. I just really liked this. I never know whether to say Gollum or Smeagol because I know they're the same, but it annoys me that it alternates between the two so often because I'm like, do I say Gollum or Smeagol? Um, But anyway, (laughs) he calls the sun, he says, the yellow face won't see me. And I love that because it's a childish way of naming the sun and really taps into adds like adds a lot of characterization to him just with those two words right and i think later on he has later he talks about the he talks about the moon as well yeah yeah that too it's good it's good stuff but yeah so they stop to rest frodo and sam pull out the lame bus bread that they still have i can't believe they still have this lame bus bread but okay (laughs) and they offer it to Gollum in I kind of I like thought about it and predicted it before um he before it like t- before it brings it up and I was like oh I don't think Gollum is going to be able to eat the lame bus because it was made in Lorien and the elves made it and he doesn't like the elves and he doesn't like good pure magic so um they right. give it to him and Smeagol smells it he says leaves out of the elf country gah this stinks he climbed in those trees and he couldn't wash the smell off his hands my nice hands and then he tries to eat it and then spits it out and this was a point in the audiobook that was real gross because he like there's interjections of like him like choking and gagging and coughing and i'm like oh this is fun um <laughs> this is exactly what i this is exactly what I want to hear right in my ear holes. Yeah, exactly. Someone gagging and coughing. Oh, exactly. I'm like, I appreciate so much the effort and the attention to detail and the high level of production quality here, but maybe you went too far. <laughs> he spat, and a fit of coughing shook him. You try to choke poor Smeagol. Dust and ashes, he can't eat that, he must starve. And then I love this, Frodo says, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. 
<laughs> and I, I love that because it's like a combination. What did I write down? I've written down some. Oh, yeah, I said, oh, so I wrote down, LOL, Frodo sounds annoyed because he says, I can't help you. Right. I'm afraid. I think that food would do you good if you would try, but perhaps you can't even try. Not yet. And then below that, Sam thought that it had tasted far better somehow than it had for a good while. <laughs> Gollum's behavior had made him attend to its flavor again. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah. Sam is really annoyed with Gollum. <laughs> like Frodo might be a little annoyed, but Sam is really annoyed. And then, oh, and later they're, he's talking to Frodo and it says he did not really care whether Gollum heard him or not. So he's like this gremlin. Yeah, he doesn't care at all. <laughs> um, Ryan, tonight I went like on a downhill spiral of making Valentine's Day cards, but Lord of the Rings characters. Okay. And the one I made for Smeagol <laughs> okay. was, um, I was like, are you the, are you the one ring? Cause you're my precious. And I had to, I was just looking at <laughs> so his good. picture for a long time while I was making this. And I was like, I really hate this. I really hate this. <laughs> <laughs> these are, these are ones you made up yourself. Yes. So I made up. It started because I was like, yesterday I got an idea to do this and I was like, oh, I'll make like really like bad, corny Valentine's Day cards for the for some of the Lord of the Rings characters. And I could only think of yeah. really bad ones that made no sense because I kept for some reason I kept going back to I'll take your hobbits to Isengard. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That means nothing. And then I also came up with, and then the reverse of that is I just kept coming up with really dirty ones. And I'm like, I can't do that for this yeah. audience. <laughs> I shared a book. I was sharing them with Tyler and Ethan. And they were like, please stop this now. We don't want to read these anymore. And I was like, I've been cursed because I keep thinking of them. And then finally today, I was yeah. thinking of like middle of the road ones that are uh, appropriate for other people to read. <laughs> yeah so but i'm really proud of them yeah, that golem one is good for sure um well and i also keep thinking of like roses are red rhyming is hard they're taking the hobbits to isengard and what was another one and it's, so it's just fun it's just like a fun game now for me to be like okay what are the other lines of people and so it's like all right roses are red boromir's a tool remember when gandalf died Fly, you fools. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. That was not as great. Oh, I came up with a you're really... Still, you're, still waiting for, you're still waiting for Boromir to get his redemption. Yeah, which I don't think... I feel think like people kept like, t telling you, like, oh, Boromir, he's going he's gonna, to like really redeem himself in the end. And you're so far past it now that you're like, no, no, it's, there's, it's not even possible. Yeah. He's been dead too long. And I've it's been... It's been like six days. I've been told that that idea of like oh his he's redeemed his death redeems his character probably mostly comes from the way his death is portrayed in the movies and it doesn't really have too yeah, much to do I with agree. what actually happens in the book and so i'm like yeah that that makes sense right but yeah it was just yeah. funny because people kept saying like well just wait he's gonna get he's gonna be redeemed and i was like he's dead <laughs> What? What is he gonna do? It's done. He's dead. He's gone. He's gonna come back as Boromir the White. Just you wait. Oh my. Come back as Boromir the White. 
Can you imagine the look on Gandalf's face when he's like, are you fucking kidding? I had to fall into the depths of Moria and, and chase after a Balrog and climb out and climb on top of a mountain naked and fly off on an eagle. I forgot about the naked and <laughs> Which is just like so randomly unnecessary, Tolkien, but okay. But yeah, super important. And... <laughs> Oh are you gosh. sure? Are you sure that Gollum is not Boromir in a Gollum suit? Are you sure about that? I know that was like something you had considered early on. There's nothing to dispute what that yet. What if it's yet, the reverse? So. You know what? I'm gonna read the rest of this as if Gollum is Boromir in a Gollum suit. That's an amazing suggestion. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. So speaking of Gollum, <laughs> oh Sam and Frodo were talking, and. Again, Sam, well, like once again, I'm really trying to give Sam the benefit of the doubt. I'm really trying to go in. This is, he's a great character. He's going to be a great person. But he asks Frodo how much, he, uh, how much longer this is going to be. <laughs> he's like the kid in the backseat. Yeah. Are we there yet? Yeah. I'm hungry. Exactly. He, um, does he say it? Oh no, I think he says it. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping uh I'm jumping ahead of myself. He says that. Oh, he says that later. So I'll get to that there. But they're talking, oh, they were gonna go to sleep, and Sam was concerned about having someone stay up to watch Smeagol. And Frodo says, I don't think there is any need for fear at present. And I was like, what a great dramatic pause, Frodo. Way to instill faith and confidence in the group. <laughs> and then, yeah, so Frodo goes to sleep and Sam is gonna stay up. And Smeagol also goes to sleep. And Sam, in a totally not creepy fashion at all, goes over and, like, pokes <laughs> at him and listens to him breathing to make sure that he's really asleep. And he is asleep. Right. And um, He puts a little shaving cream in Gollum's hand and, like, tickles his yeah. face with a feather. And <laughs> yeah, Sam really does not like Gollum at all. Um, no. And... I was really confused about this, and I wonder if you could make sense of it. It says, must uh, must really be asleep, he muttered. And if I was like Gollum, he wouldn't wake up never again. What did that mean? If I was like Gollum, he wouldn't wake up never again. So is he saying that like, oh, if I was Gollum, yeah, I would I just... I think he's saying that Gollum to him is such a despicable creature that like if he was Gollum, he wouldn't even want to wake up because he'd have to be Gollum. You okay. know what I mean? It's that's just like... what... Yeah, that's what I was wondering. But like just the way it was phrased and there was a double negative in there. And well, I was yeah, it's like confused. a double negative. Yeah. Yeah. Just confusing. Sam accidentally falls asleep and he wakes up later and realizes that Gollum is gone. And this is... Another case of like, thanks, I hate it. Because um, he's like, hmm, where where did he go? I hope he hasn't gone too far. It says, not far, not far, said a voice above him. He looked up and saw the shape of Gollum's large head and ears against the evening sky. And Smeagol Gollum goes off to hunt or dig in the mud for worms or I don't <laughs> right yeah he goes to find food and is like I'm hungry I'm gonna be back and this was when I was like he's like a toddler but also a feral monkey right. and then I was like oh my god he's like a nightmare version of Curious George yes very much is so. what it feels like where he's like just how, like I'm hungry like bye Sam's like come <laughs> Sam says come back now Shouted Sam, hi, come back. 
he's like he's he throws a greeting in there. It's like hi, like, hi, come back. Hello, hello. remember us? <laughs> Can you come back here? But Gollum please? has vanished. Uh, yeah, Gollum <laughs> runs off. Uh, oh, and Frodo wakes up, and they talk a bit once again about food because that's all Sam. Can- and this is when he's asking, <laughs> "How long is this going to take?" How, yeah, he says, how long is it going to take us to do this job? And when's it done? What are we going to do then? And he starts talking about, like, the future. And it's kind of like, to me, when people ask me, like, oh, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I'm honestly just trying to make it to <laughs> to the end of the week. And we will talk about right, exactly. my like five day plan let's talk about that instead and frodo is very despairing and not hopeful at all and is trying to like set up some realistic expectations because he's like i mean if we fail at this there's nothing that we're gonna do after this there's nothing to be done after this yeah i think he's even thinking that like i don't think we need to give thought to what comes after because to do this job what hope is it that we ever shall meaning like even if we succeed i don't think that we're going to make it out alive i think it's like his thoughts right now yeah i agree because he's like very like we don't even need to worry about what's going to happen after because even if we destroy the ring we're not making it back out of there yeah yeah he says are we ever likely to need bread again i think not if we can nurse our limbs to bring us to mount doom that is all we can do more than i can I begin to. So yeah, he's really starting to feel like, I mean, if we make it out of there in one piece, that in itself will be a miracle. So let's, let's cross that bridge of like, what are we going to do after right. this when we get there? <laughs> um, right. And what's this? Yeah. Oh, and I wrote down, I like angsty Frodo. He says what I wish real Frodo said, because yeah. he, he really kind of lays down the, tr- the cold hard truth. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> Finally. He's he's worried about more things than just the food. He's thinking further ahead than just uh, where is the food and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So then Gollum comes back and his face is covered in mud and he's like licking his fingers and chewing. And Sam is just disgusted and doesn't even want to ask like what he ate. He just assumes that he was digging in the mud for worms. So then they move on to the or they make their way out of the gully the the valley the whatever you want to call it and they get to the so-called dead marshes and until we so at the point that i was looking this up to see like oh where are they in the map and then on the map i saw that it's called the dead marshes they hadn't yet named it in the chapter and i was like Guys, this is, oh, right. this is called yeah. the Dead Marshes. This is this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't great. Right. <laughs> and it's just like a gross, nasty place. It's awful. And yeah. it's dark. You're talking about even the smell of them. Even the smell of yeah. the area yeah. makes them like, want to vomit. Oh, gross. They get, yeah, so in the marshes, the other thing is that like it's all wet and soggy and... Kind of, I guess, like if you step if you step one foot in the wrong direction, you could like fall into a bog or quicksand or whatever is in there. So Gollum is the one who's leading the way, and they're kind of like stepping behind him to make sure they don't die. Yeah, I had. I don't think they say the words in here, but I'd read the chapter, and then like earlier today, 
I was like, I should just reread through the Spark Notes quick, just to quick remind myself before we record. And in Spark Notes, they call these poison pits. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't like to think about poison pits, but I don't think they mention that in the chapter at all, do they? Um, I don't know if it was in the marsh, but I know at the end, when they're out of the marsh and they're like kind of camping out, they are near some kind of pit where he describes it as like it's full of oils and i was like oh right okay that's weird yeah. but yeah yeah i also read spark <laughs> notes and i was like poison pit like a poison pit <laughs> is what is in a video game where like you're in the swamp right. and like oops if you touch that green goo you you know lose a heart or whatever right it's crazy <laughs> Um, but also, you know, kind of makes sense when we, when we find out what we find out later. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. So, and then we get another point of Sam really hating on Gollum. And this one, I was like, okay, Sam, that was unnecessary because it's dark and awful in here. And Sam, it's a Sam, they look around and they realize that they, they're not hearing any like birds chirping or, and Sam, uh, Sam says, not a bird. And Gollum says, no, no birds, nice birds. He licked his teeth. No birds here. There are snakes, worms, things in the pools, lots of things, lots of nasty things. No birds, he ended sadly. Sam looked at him with distaste and I'm like, Sam, why would you do that? Because he's agreeing with you that it's (laughs) sad that there aren't any birds here. And I'm just like, Sam, that was that was unnecessary and also mean. And now I'm like weirdly in the camp of come on, Sam, be better and give Gollum a chance, (laughs) which is weird because I felt like it would be the opposite or something where I should be like, Oh, Sam is the right. one I'm feeling bad for, and Gollum is the one where I'm like, oh, Gollum, hate you. But now I'm like, oh, Gollum, he's just a sad little monstrous, curious George. Right. One thing that we skipped over a little bit, but I had made a point of, was the one sentence here says, uh, right before they start into the marshes, it says, the hobbits were now wholly in the hands of Gollum. Ooh. And I think it it's interesting how it has switched to... Gollum considers Frodo the master of them. But now it's like Gollum is... in Like he's basically in charge and they're just following him. He can lead them wherever he wants. And they don't have a clue where they're at. So they are wholly in his hands and they have no idea what's in store for yeah that's that's scary interesting how it's shifted and it's and it's also interesting because we we kind of see that physically when they're in the marsh where they have to completely trust what he is doing because they're he is the one finding the path or trying to remember his path so that they don't fall in um and yeah they have to completely give their trust over to Ooh, it's creepy. Speaking of creepy, yeah. <laughs> they get further into the marsh. It says, presently, it grew altogether dark. The air itself seemed black and heavy to breathe. Then Sam first saw one with the oh, first saw one with the corner of his left eye, a wisp of a pale sheen that faded away. But others appeared soon after. Some like dimly shining smoke, some like misty flames flickering slowly above unseen candles. Here and there they twisted like ghostly sheets unfurled by hidden hands. Finally, he's like, okay, is no one going to mention this? What are these lights? And Gollum says, (laughs) the Trixie lights. Candles of corpses, yes. Yes. Don't you heed them. Don't look. Don't follow them. 
where's the master? And then they turn around and say that Frodo is standing there just staring into the abyss. Stare into the abyss. This is where I was like, this is amazing. This is great. Because I was like, this is so creepy and such an interesting, it's just such an interesting thing to write. And I don't know. Yeah. It's just so cool. So, so this is interesting to you, but like, Gollum slash Boromir climbing up or climbing down the side of a cliff like a spider is like really gross. Well, <laughs> uh, I guess I should say that like it's gross in a way that like Tolkien did it really good. Like he wrote it yeah. so well where I had a visceral reaction. Like it's just really solid, good story building and creating and descriptions. It's kind of like how... I like to say that Order of the Phoenix is the most well-written of the Harry Potter books. To me, it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best one, but I think that Order of the Phoenix is the most well-written, specifically because of Umbridge. And the way that J.K. Rowling wrote that character to have such, uh, like that, like, I think that's how you know you've made it as an author is not when you have characters that people really love. It's when people have like such strong visceral reactions against like villains or antagonists. I haven't gotten to Order of the Phoenix yet. I'm still on Goblet of Fire. I have seen all the movies, but I have not read Order of the Phoenix yet. So, but it's a, it's in the movies, you like see Umbridge, like the first three times and you're like, I hate this person. Yeah, So exactly. it doesn't take long. Yeah. Even, yeah. yeah the movies, oh, I also just, I really love the music. This is such a specific thing. I love the music theme that they give for Umbridge in the Order of the Phoenix movie. <laughs> It's like flighty and upbeat and it feels like a person, like she's very short and so she takes quick steps and it feels very like sneaky and there's something underneath it that makes you feel uneasy, but it has... At the surface level, it feels very, like, upbeat and happy. Right. But this isn't Harry Potter. This is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, so Frodo bends down. And I say that, and I'm literally, like, moments away from making another reference to Harry Potter. But we'll get there. So Frodo bends down to look into the water. And he jumps back all of a sudden. He says, there are dead things. Dead faces in the water, he said with horror. Dead faces. Gollum laughed. The Dead Marshes, yes, yes, that is their name. And I'm once again, I'm like, okay, point Gollum, because he's right. He's like, right. what did you like? Why did you think it was called the Dead Marshes? There, it's dead. Well, did he here. did he call them the Dead Marshes before? I yeah, feel like it so was this like- is, I, yeah, I will say this. This is the, I think, the first point where they actually mention that it's called okay. the Dead. I feel like it's like he's like. Oh, yeah. They call these the dead marshes. I totally forgot about that. It's just like, oh, right. It's like, oh, didn't I tell you? Oh, well, um, these are called the dead marshes because there's dead bodies in here. Right. So moving on. And Frodo goes like, real creepy and ethereal. And I really like it. I like Dark Frodo, like I said, because he so he says, but I've seen them. I've seen them, too, in the pools when the candles were lit. They lie in all the pools, pale faces, deep, deep under the dark water. 
I saw them, grim faces in evil and noble faces in sad, many faces proud and fair, and weeds in their silver hair, but all foul, all rotting, all dead. A fell light is in them. Frodo hid his eyes in his hand. I do not know who they are, but I thought I saw their men and elves and orcs beside them. And Gollum explains that long ago there was a big battle in the fields or the plains next to where they are. And over time, the marshes have grown to overtake where everyone who had died in that battle was buried. And so that's how the... It's it's just a, a a graveyard swamp. Uh, one thing that I read that was interesting about this was it was in the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, Tolkien said that when he was thinking about this part, he thought he might have had some inspiration from when he was in World War One, and he I forget which battle it was, but he said he remembers looking around and just seeing all the dead bodies in the mud around him like face up like dead bodies all around it's just like so weird to think about like him relating his actual life to this like fantasy life you think like this fantasy is supposed to take you away from reality but it's like so intertwined for him with these really tragic events that happened in his life yeah oh it's that's a great thank you for for finding that that's amazing that's ooh, that's really dark and and awful um yeah uh yeah that's awful so this is obviously for people who have either seen or read harry potter and the half-blood prince when they when dumbledore and harry go to get the locket in the cave there's the pool of inferi like i have to believe that jk rowling was inspired by this oh yeah for people who haven't seen it or haven't read it or anything it's a lake and it has these creepy, almost like golemy looking kind of people. And they're right. just like dead zombie people floating in the water and they're not moving or doing it. And it's not until Harry goes to pull a cup of water out of the lake that they start attacking him. And I think it's supposed to uh. be implied that like it's people who have who Voldemort has killed and he has enchanted them to protect this part of his soul or something i don't know if this is just a piece of voldemort's magic or if it's just dark magic in general but it's real creepy and gross but good also <laughs> right. kind of because it's ma- like it's just a cool it's just, it's a cool thing to think of i guess sorry the the i read about the battle that happened here i was literally just gonna I ask forget what it's i was gonna say do we do we already know at this point in the story like what battle that was or was this just like, uh, oh, it was just one of the many battles in the thousands of years of history here? Okay, so it, this isn't spoiling anything, I'm sure. But the battle is, it takes place in the Second Age, at the end of the Second Age. And it talks about how it was in the last days of the um, alliance of the elves and the men. Um, which, that Ooh. happened when like they were trying to fight Sauron. That's really cool because now there's also... So the the Amazon series is going to be covering Second Age. So there's a chance, especially if it gets to a point where um, they have like... Maybe it's like really successful and so they have a bigger budget or something and they can make this huge cinematic masterpiece battle that that is in... Right. that this battle was that would be really cool to see but i think if i remember the elves and men ended up retreating from this battle the orcs i think but 
Um, yeah, but very cool. Yeah. So as they're traveling, ooh, what's that sound? <laughs> it's a ring wraith. And uh, <laughs> they hear it off in the distance. Thankfully, it's not anywhere nearby, but just kind of like a, okay, that's fun. A ring wraith appearance. That's nothing to worry about. What do you think the ring wraiths sound like? Uh, well, we already know what they sound like. It's just the 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 screaming right or you don't have I mean, to confirm I, that you don't have to I, confirm nor i would deny. just want to know what you if you were to audibly make that sound what would it sound like <laughs> uh let's see here i'll back up <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty good except for that i need it needs more screeching that needs more screeching yeah you can work on it you can maybe maybe practice that um but anyway, so they, oh yeah, it says the night became less dark, light enough for them to see or half see shapeless drifts of fog curling and twisting as it rolled over them and passed them. Looking up, they saw the clouds breaking and shredding. Then high in the south, the moon glimmered out riding in the flying rack. And then further below, a small cloud flying from the accursed hills, a black shadow loosed from Mordor, a vast shape winged and ominous. It scudded across the moon with a deadly cry, went away westward, outrunning the wind in its fell speed. And so it's like, all right, that's definitely a flying ring wraith. Let's keep moving forward. Because <laughs> yeah. at this point in the book, they don't, Sam and Frodo don't know that ring wraiths can fly. Right. Because uh, in the previous chapter, they're like, they heard something and they're like, well, I mean, if they fly, of course, which that would be a horrible situation, wouldn't it? And it's like, <laughs> well, they do. So they may fly. <laughs> so they continue traveling, and Frodo starts, he's very tired and tires really easily and falls behind them a lot. And Sam and Gollum have to stop and wait for him or go back and get him. It says, In fact, with every step towards the gate of Mordor, Frodo felt the ring on its chain about his neck grow more burdensome. He was now beginning to feel it as an actual weight dragging him down, dragging him earthwards. But far more, he was troubled by the eye. So he called it himself. It was that more than the drag of the ring that made him cower and stoop as he walked. The eye, that horrible growing sense of a hostile will that strove with great power to pierce all shadows of cloud and earth and flesh and to see, to pin you under its deadly gaze, naked and movable. So thin, so frail and thin, the veils were becoming that still it warded, that still warded it off. So, like I said, Frodo's getting a little more yeah. angsty, getting a little more dark. <laughs> but I also like that his inner yeah, monologue it, is getting like almost like Edgar Allan Poe-esque where it's very poetic and right, beautiful, right. but it's still very dark. Something they left out of the books, I think is like the part where Frodo is putting like the black eyeliner, <laughs> switching to like all like tight black shirts and stuff like that. They don't mention that in the book, but I think that's that's what happens. I yeah, so on. Uh, I definitely yeah. see it. Yeah, he gets an emo makeup. <laughs> oh, also, I should mention though, Sam notices this change in Gollum, where he is a lot more. He's becoming. Sam describes it as would-be friendly, and he obviously doesn't trust him, but just kind of a note that Gollum is getting a lot more sucking up-ish to Frodo right. and trying to show yeah. off that, like, no, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be a good gremlin. <laughs> 
I think it's interesting to think about how the ring is changing for Frodo because up until this point, I felt like the ring had little effect on Frodo. You could see with like Boromir earlier on, he really wanted the ring. And you can even see with like Galadriel earlier on and Gandalf, they were tempted by the ring. They really like, they really wanted the ring and Frodo didn't want it. And it was just interesting how little effect it seemed that the ring had on Frodo until now when you really see that he's not like lusting after the ring but it's doing something different to him Mm -hmm. that's like it's dragging him down it's making him tired it feels like a anchor around his neck i I thought it was pretty interesting um just how it affects different races differently yeah i mean i think well i think this is a very common thing that we talk about a lot is how a hobbit is the only person who could have done this probably because you have to it's almost like you have to you have to start out with something like pure and a blank slate and that's a hobbit you know if it was a if it was an elf or a dwarf or a wizard or, or or whoever they have been exposed to ways of the world and they know they have their own like personal beef with history like if you know elves versus dwarves and all this other stuff there's whole other context that they have going on that if they got the ring it could be bad but meanwhile there's the hobbits who literally just know the shire that's all they know is the shire and other hobbits and so it's like what right. there's there's not too much trouble or like dark thinking that they could be doing. One thing, not to bring it back to Harry Potter again, but this part <laughs> this this reminded me Sam is noticing this in Frodo and it reminds me of Deathly Hallows where Ron, Harry and Hermione, right? All three of them share, right? Yes. They share the Horcrux. The locket, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Sam is a hobbit, so he probably doesn't have ill intentions for the ring. So couldn't Frodo pass it to Sam and they could switch back and forth, taking turns carrying it? I have asked this question so many times because I'm like, that's the way to do it. But I think each time I ask it, my guests and I come to the conclusion that it's better to have one person being slowly corrupted and withered away than risk having two people being corrupted by the ring because Mm. if it gets to a point where one of them can't continue they might not have the strength to resist the temptation by themselves if it's not their first time encountering it at least i think that's the explanation that we've made up for that answer but i or for that question but i agree with you wholeheartedly that they should have been trading (laughs) off maybe not necessarily like oh gandalf gets a turn with it but i definitely (laughs) think that like at least Mary in the beginning uh, in Fellowship, Mary, Pippin, and Sam could have traded it off with Frodo. Yeah. I don't know. So when they come out of the marsh, uh, they are on, it says that they, at one point it says that it has been five days since they started traveling with Gollum. Before Gollum met them, it had been three days. So I would just like to point out that the first half of this book, book three, takes place over the course of 10 days, 11 days maybe. And here we are on day eight, (laughs) one and a half chapters into book four. 
And I mean, I appreciate that. It just makes you wonder what's going to happen in the next two days. Yeah. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. Well, and I kept every time uh, Nazgul flies over, I was trying to keep track of the days because at the end of book three, uh, Nazgul flies over and flies to Isengard. So every time there was a Nazgul flying, I was like, oh, is that the one Mm. that they saw flying to Isengard? I don't know. And then I was like, no, I don't think so, because that, that would be day seven and that doesn't line up. But it'll be interesting now moving forward where it's like, okay, this is definitely all new territory where it's not like, oh, back in, you know, Legolas, Aragorn, Gandalf land, right now they're doing the Battle of Helm's Deep. It'll be it'll be interesting territory to right. be like, I wonder what they're doing. I hope they're all alive. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So they get out of the marsh. The air was now clearer and colder, and though still far off, the walls of Mordor were no longer a cloudy menace on the edge of sight, but as grim black towers, they frowned across a dismal waste. And they keep looking over this desolate land, and so I made up this, I don't know, joke, or I don't know. Like, ever since I had this thought or I pointed it out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. And it's that... Whenever there's a chapter where, like, technically not much is happening action-wise. So, like, for example, this chapter, they're just walking through first Mm. a a gully, and then they're walking through a marsh, and that's all that (laughs) happens. And in those kinds of chapters where all they're doing is, like, walking and getting through someplace, Tolkien goes hard. He doubles down on the descriptive language of the landscape. Uh, And so they're looking around. It says, here nothing lived, not even the leprous growths that feed on rottenness. The gasping pools were choked with ash and crawling muds, sickly white and gray, as if the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails upon the land about. High mounds of crushed and powdered rock, great cones of earth fire blasted and poison stained, stood like an obscene graveyard in endless rows, slowly revealed in the reluctant Holy cow! <laughs> Just so much... <laughs> descriptive language yeah it's it's so interesting like the part that i had and as if the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails like how would you even possibly even like so he's imagining this landscape he's not like he's not describing something he's seeing you know that's one thing to like see something and describe it so that somebody else can picture it picturing this in his mind which is like it's crazy how can you even like think of it first and then describe it like this and yeah it's just wild absolutely wild mm-hmm. yeah i'd be like there was a mountain and rocks at the bottom like, like yeah that's, that's all i would say yeah like if it's it's moments like these where i'll read something like this and i'll be like well i'm never gonna be an author <laughs> right exactly. where i'm like I would never in a million years be able to craft. I love I love the sentence. The gasping pools were choked with ash and crawling mud, sickly white and gray as if the mountains had vomited. Yeah, the filth of their entrails upon the lands about so Oh my gosh, so good. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. As much as like, you know, I like to poke fun and make fun of Tolkien for like 
going real hard on intense landscape descriptions and maps and languages and stuff. It happens yeah. it happens every now and then where I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is some good writing. <laughs> yeah, you have to like stop and like just like be like, wow, and just like reread it. I, I reread that sentence, that exact sentence that you just read like three or four times. I was like, wow, this is like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they start working their way towards the gates of Mordor, I guess. But I was kind of confused about this because I was like, if I was, so the way I'm imagining the landscape is that like there, so they're saying the gates of Mordor. I'm assuming there are either literal giant gates or it's some kind of like mountain or, or other naturally occurring landscape or whatever that kind of acts as a barrier. And then everything else is an open plain. And like, if I was trying to go into Mordor, I don't think I would work my way toward the front gate, you know? Right. And I thought that was the whole reason why Gollum was leading them this back way. He talks about how the main road, there's orcs there all the time and they'd be seen. So like leading them back there. But if you still end up at the same spot in front of the main gates, like what's the point of going the back way? Right. Because he mentions, oh no, we're not going to go up north to Dagorlad. Dagorlad. Da- Dagor. Sure. Is what it's named on the map. I don't know. But um, he says, yeah, like, oh, we're what, not going to. That's what they called the battle. Yeah, that's where the big um, battle happened. And that's when he's like, we're not yeah. going to go up that way because that's not going to be the way to enter. So they're, so that's not it. So I'm like, okay, so how are, what's the plan here, guys? What are we, how are we getting in here? <laughs> like, are we going right. to dress up as like one man and a giant trench coat and try and like sneak in like what's gonna happen here what's the i mean i know it's i know it's frodo sam and Gollum, and they're not exactly the (laughs) sharpest tools in the shed but right so they stop to rest sam wakes up and notices that Gollum is standing there talking to himself and also so sorry i highlighted this part and it said it says Gollum was talking to himself Smeagol was holding a debate with some other thought that used to be the same voice but made it squeak and hit. So literally with it back-to-back sentences, it says, Gollum thought to himself, Smeagol was holding a debate. And I'm like, Tolkien, pick one. Because <laughs> even when right. Aragorn is introduced as Strider and we technically know that he's Aragorn, he still writes him as Strider. And it's like, Strider did right. this, Strider did that. And he, then it, after Rivendell and the Council of Elrond, he starts using like, Aragorn did this and Aragorn said that. And I'm like, let's, I mean, maybe also, maybe that's to kind of play into this two personalities thing right, yeah. that yeah, was, um, appears to be happening here. I was going to say right here is where you kind of figure out why there's two different names. It's almost like a uh, Two-Face kind of like from the Dark Knight series. I don't know if you saw that, but like it's like a good one and a bad one and the same person and like they have internal yeah. debates with themselves. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because so at the end of the previous episode, Bethany just kind of like offhandedly like mentioned like, oh, what do you make of this like multiple personalities thing? And I was like, I don't know. I, I guess it's may- maybe it's like, Gollum battling with himself from like who he was, who the ring turned him into versus who he was before the ring. And that's kind of what this turns out to be. So Sam watches him talking to himself and he eventually 
it's it's just a long conversation of Smeagol going back and forth, standing over Frodo, who is asleep. And one of them is saying, take the ring, take the ring from him. It's yours. You want it. Then the other side of him is like, no, this is my master. And they said they were going to be nice to me and they have been nice to me if Mm -hmm. I help them. So I'm not going to disobey them. I'm going to be nice. Oh, I should also. So I forgot to mention at the start of the chapter, Gollum mentioned he brings up when he's doing the song, he brings up. He says Baggins, and that that made me think like, oh, does he know that Frodo is Bilbo's nephew? Does he know that Frodo is a Baggins, or is he just like, ah, these right. two random hobbits, one of them has the ring, whatever, I don't care. Um, but here we find out that, yes, he does know that this is Frodo Baggins. Yeah, I'm not sure how he figured that out, but he's been following him for a long time, so yeah. maybe that's how he figured out something. Yeah, maybe. So. Oh, that's a good point that he's been following them because he's been following he's been following them since Rivendell. Right, right. And then at one point, so it says, "We want it, but." And here there was a long pause, as if a new thought had awakened. Not yet, eh? Perhaps not. She might help. She might. Yes. And I stopped, I gasped, because my whole, like, annoying gimmick for the past couple chapters has been like, who is he? Who is he? Stop just saying he. Because <laughs> there are a bunch of he's. It could be anyone. Right. But here it is. It's a mystery woman. And who yep. is she? I don't know. And it's someone who might help Gollum is all we know. And so I'm like, oh, who mm. is it? can't wait to find out and it's, i think even it's probably Sa- one of the saxville baggins is yeah probably i bet it's um yeah. what's her face goldberry um <laughs> bombadil bombadil definitely girl. yeah even say even sam though is like who is she like what what is he talking right. about? what uh, there's no women in this story Come yeah on, he's like Gollum. <laughs> then before Gollum can do anything and either before he can either like walk away and not steal the ring or reach out and take and take the ring, Frodo wakes up and is like, oh, what a good nap I've had. That was great. I feel so refreshed. <laughs> and then um, I hate this. Gollum, it says Gollum welcomed him with dog like delight. Dog like <sighs> delight. But I'm just like, I mean, it's an interesting metaphor to make. That he's this right. groveling, beaten dog, and Frodo is a human, and they are, you know, he is, what's the opposite of superior? Inferior. <laughs> inferior, thank you. I couldn't <laughs> think of that word. And that he is inferior to them, and he's, like, not an actual human being. Um, I yeah. understand all of that. I still hate it. <laughs> One thing that I wrote here is, these hobbits are terrible at keeping watch so frodo oh, was so asleep bad. frodo was the one that was supposed to be awake while sam slept this time and last time sam was supposed to stay awake while frodo slept and both times Gollum is doing weird stuff while they're both asleep so i'm like you yeah. guys need to really work on this if you're gonna say yeah. you're gonna keep watch and it's funny because neither of them really care when the other one accidentally falls asleep because when frodo when frodo earlier wakes up and he's like oh sam you were asleep too that's okay because at least now we're both well rested and then this time sam wakes up and is like 
And it's just, I I don't even think he, it says anything about like, oh, Frodo fell asleep. He's not supposed to be asleep. He was immediately like, right. oh, what is Smeagol that are standing over him? Yeah. Um. So they get to a point where, what's his name? Where Gollum is like, I, he's way too, he's overcome with fear because there are all these ring wraiths flying around, which is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. I will give him that. And he knows that the imminent threat of Sauron and Mordor is drawing closer. And it's more like a actual thing that's going to happen rather than just like a far off distant thing that they can think about. And uh, he says that he's not going to lead them any. He's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and uh, Frodo has to hold his knife to him, which is yeah. really freaky because Frodo is um, resorting to like violence and threats to get him to do what right. he wants him to do. Whereas, you know, the Frodo in Fellowship of the Ring probably wouldn't have done that. And just right. once again, showing like the effects that the ring is having. And so far, Frodo has been like the nice one to Gollum. He got him out of the rope. He yeah. tried to give him food. You know, he's like trying to be nice up to this point where he's like, Oh, just kidding. You thought you were guiding us, but I'm actually forcing you to lead us there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then Gollum listens to him and they continue onward. And that's the end of the chapter. That's As it. them moving in a general direction towards Mordor. We don't know exactly <laughs> where they're going or but Yeah. So it does say that after they came through the marshes they realized that they were like way closer to mortar than they had been before they went. Yeah. So they did make it a point to say that they're a lot closer than they expected to be. I I think, well, I think that was more a thing of a realization of, Oh, this is, this is in front of us now. This is here. It's no longer like off in the distance or, Oh, there's this mountain range and this field and this marsh in between us and Mordor where we are right now, there's nothing between us and Mordor. It's just us in front of right. um And that like heavy realization it's get- hitting them. Yeah. It's getting real now. Yeah. Well, so yes, that is the end of the chapter it brings us to the end of this episode. Ryan, thank you for coming on. What would you like to share yeah. with our audience? Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great. Um, yeah. You, I have a podcast of my own. Um, as we mentioned before, I have a Star Wars podcast. Well, it's sort of Star Wars podca- podcast called Sort of Star Wars Podcast. Hey, um, I would say it's it probably is. about <laughs> 50% Star Wars and 50% everything else, parenting, uh, Marvel, uh, pretty much whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a fu- it's fun. Then we have a uh, Fast and Furious podcast where it was interesting. You had two episodes ago, you had the LOTR Minute Yes, I did. Yes. And yeah, so we had we have a Fast and Furious podcast that just takes one minute at a time of Fast and Furious. Yeah, a lot of people laugh at that, but (laughs) it's actually really fun. It's it's actually really fun to do. So um yeah, that's awesome. That's what I'm doing. Uh where can people find those? Yeah, the podcast you can find wherever you listen to podcasts, and then I am on uh Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sorta star wars what is one what is something that you would recommend to people uh it can be a book tv show movie anything 
if they enjoy Lord of the Rings or parts of Lord of the Rings. So I had kept coming up with things, and then every week your guests would say what I was thinking. So <laughs> I had to keep going. Um, so what something that I love, I revisit it often, is this is just a YouTube video that SNL did. It's The Hobbit Office. And it's like the office, like the TV show, but it's all like, you know, Lord of the Rings characters are like Gandalf is Michael Scott <laughs> and Bilbo is Jim and Gollum is Dwight and Martin Freeman, the guy who plays Bilbo in the Hobbit movies. He's also in the UK is, office, right? Right. He was Jim in the UK office. So it just works on so many levels, but um, I don't think it gives anything away as far as like spoilers, but oh, that's it's just, great. That's so fun. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to watch. So good times. I will leave that if I can. Hopefully, I'm sure it's up on YouTube somewhere. So I'll leave that link in the episode description. That's what I'm talking about. Is a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about those shows by going to wb.org. Uh, might I suggest listening to Isaac Carlson's podcast, Following Dreams, which you can learn more about right now. Hello, fun people. I'm Isaac Carlson, and on Following Dreams, I'm focused on exploring the stories of people who are following their passions and achieving their dreams. After years of creating Disney videos for my YouTube channel, Watso Videos, I wanted to continue my goal of spreading magic by creating a podcast that strives to help inspire you to pursue what you love by hearing how others have done it. By interviewing creative people who have been able to live their lives as artists, animators, YouTubers, and business owners, together we get to hear the stories of wonderful people while also uncovering what it takes to follow your dreams. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. Also, there's a Facebook group, like I mentioned um, earlier. There's lots of fun stuff being shared in there. And more people are joining every day. And that makes me very happy and excited. Um, it's also just fun because it's... The Facebook group is where everyone can actually like gather and talk to each other mm. and share fun stuff collectively in one place rather than like just having it out in the ether of like Twitter and Instagram is something where I post something and you either like or share or comment or whatever. Right. But the Facebook group, like if you find a meme, if you find something funny and you want to share it and you want to you want other people to share in your joy go for it i love it right yeah lots of lots of memes that it's i appreciate good times <laughs> you can find me on twitter at mc WhatsApp and instagram at mc turn down for what and you can also support the podcast on patreon.com slash talking about pod the sponsor for this week's episode is matt barger or barger i'm sorry Matt, is that even what you're... I can't read my computer. <laughs> the premise is small. Yes, Matt Barger. Thank you. I couldn't read it because it's too far. Um, <laughs> thank you for supporting the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Um, I think that's it. God, I'm going to be forgetting something. This is what happens when I don't pull my notes up. So, well, if I forgot something, future Mary Clay will put it in now. Why, yes, past Mary Clay, you did forget something. Each week, I'm going to start doing a quote-unquote discussion question that you all can chime in and share your answers about and talk with other people about 
in the week after an episode. It might be having something to do with something that we talked about in the actual episode. It might have more to do with what happened in the actual chapter, but I want to use this as a way for us to have a conversation that we can all participate in because I feel bad because sometimes I can't always talk about, I can't talk in, you know, I can't jump in on conversations or anything because I don't know everything and I don't want to accidentally learn a spoiler. And I also don't want to have you guys restrain yourselves from having to bring up a good point or, or whatever. So um, this week's discussion question is, how would you get into Mordor? This is inspired, of course, by our confusion about what exactly their plan is to get into Mordor. So if you were Sam and Gollum and Frodo, how would you get into Mordor? That being said, do you have any parting words for our audience? Yes. If you suck at playing the trumpet, that's probably why. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, that was good. Oh, that's good. That took me a bit. It took me a bit.